0: Welcome to Running Out of Space, a podcast about collectors, their collections, and how they make room for it all in their lives. My name is Adam Grabarnik, and I've been a collector since I was a child. It began with stickers, which led to comics, which led to toys, sneakers, posters, pins, wine, and on and on and on. Taking a wide angle view of my obsession for ownership, I've come to see how my collections have become intertwined with my personality, and sense of identity. Speaking with other collectors on the internet and in real life, I've come to see that I'm not alone. The Running Out of Space podcast is a celebration of the spirit that unites all collectors. Because it doesn't matter if you collect paintings, watches, stamps, cars, guitars, or Barbie dolls, there is a common component within the collector themselves that transcends the object collected Though the trophies may be different, the hunters are more similar than they know. My guest today is a collector of Pyrex kitchenware and mid-century Americana, who, as she puts it, celebrates vintage style, not vintage values. Her Instagram, Smug Pig Vintage, where she posts her collection, is an exhibit of suburban kitsch and wholesome nostalgia. Her name is Chloe Vanessa and with an eye for primaries and pastel, she sees casserole dish as art. To see selects of my guests' collections, follow the show's Instagram at Running Out of Space Podcast. Welcome to the show, Chloe Vanessa. What era is this? Do you focus on any particular decade?
1: Honestly, no. I kind of just. I'm a very, um, how could I put it, maybe bohemian collector in that I just collect the things that speak to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's no particular, um, you know, like I don't discriminate era. Uh, A lot of my collection is probably predominantly between the 50s and early 70s, but I mean, I have... I've been a collector my whole life. So I still have, um, a couple of collections from when I was a kid. Like I still have all my, my little ponies. So those are the eighties and early Mm nineties. Um, and I have a lot of like, uh, random oddities. I actually, I have a number of things that I don't even post to my, um, Instagram. So like, I've got, you know, a lot of weird oddities and stuff like that too. So I have, um, like a turn of the century last rites uh, kit. And I've got um, um, a death mask from the turn of the 20th century. I've got all kinds of random stuff. So it really is just, you know, what speaks to me.
0: You have a maudlin edge, huh? You like some. Yeah, yeah. You know, the dark, macabre <laughs> yeah, stuff? there's
1: like all of the really rainbowy stuff is the uh-huh. stuff that uh, makes it to Instagram typically. But um, it's also the stuff that's like out. I mean, I started the Instagram page. Um, uh, it was late, uh, like fall of 2020. And, uh-huh. um, I was just, you know, as most of us were very depressed, uh, had a ton of anxiety due to the pandemic and lots of other things. And mm-hmm. I was a full-time student in the beginning of the pandemic, juggling multiple part-time jobs and just like really doing a lot of like death scrolling online and just like, it, just, it, super bummed out all the time i mean i was basically just in my house doing nothing but reading the news and freaking out and so that's not a good mix especially living in
0: connecticut where it can get dismal part of the year right
1: yeah yeah Yeah. and so it was actually i think it was august of 2020 it was august or september of 2020 that i um started my um Instagram uh, specifically for vintage stuff. I was like, you know what? I, I'm spending a lot of um, time on Instagram just focusing on like um, social justice is- issues and, and just being really stressed out a lot. How about I stop the doom scrolling and I will start an Instagram page that is just about, you know, like Pyrex and the vintage stuff that I like. And I will only follow other vintage accounts and so my my feed will be like less aggressive. <laughs> and right. So right.
0: You got to watch uh, out for that stuff because you you can yeah. gradually fall into a reality tunnel based on what you're looking at online and you can only see that as the world around you now the world around we're going definitely going through a moment in time. Yeah. But there is. It's okay to have outlets. It's okay to find happiness and meaning and fulfillment where you can, as long as it's. I don't even want to put rules on it, but if it's positive and it makes you feel good and it makes you your outlook on life better, I think that's fantastic.
1: Absolutely, and I mean, I mean, I you know, I think it's very important for uh, people to be aware of what's going on in the world, and simultaneously, I really, I'm not sure that evolutionarily the human brain was meant to have the capacity to consume uh sorrows outside of our own you know um Mm -hmm. immediate uh social circle or or our immediate you know um community And, and and having this like constant barrage online of um you know, things that are happening in other regions of the, of our country, or even, you know, around the world, like, I think it's important to be informed. And simultaneously, you definitely have have to have this for your own mental and emotional health, there has to be like a cutoff or a um, delineation of like, okay, I'm done for the day. And like, yeah. I was not doing that for the vast majority of the beginning of 2020. And um, I mean, I still find myself, you know, slipping down that rabbit hole every once in a while. But like, uh, that was the impetus for this yeah. Um, social media was, all right, well, I'm just going to do, you know, um, a feed full of bright, happy, rainbowy things, yeah. and you know, so yeah, that was that.
0: <laughs> so, well, first did it help?
1: Uh, yeah, I would say that it did. Um, I mean, you know, the world's still pretty screwed up, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's still a real big bummer being a human these days, but yeah, right. yeah, I would say it helped a little bit. Yeah, for sure.
0: Do you think there's something to um, the fact that you're kind of looking to the past?
1: Um, well, you know, it's interesting. Um, I think so, uh, but I, I have well, I have this hashtag that I, I mean, I have it up on my um, profile, um, like in the little blurb about me in my profile, and then I also put it on every single. Um, post that I, that I do, which is um, vintage style, not vintage values.
0: Yeah. I saw that. And I, was, I wanted to get to that.
1: Yeah. That's, that's really important to me. I mean, wait, can I swear? I have the mouth of a trucker, so I yeah, just want to make sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. So <laughs> I just want, I do not want to, you know, go off. No, you're good. I, I was a professional tattooer for 10 years and now I, I tend bar. I, I have other jobs where I have to keep it chill, but in social settings, I, I tend to ha- uh, let things slip. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, so uh, I mean, the unfortunately we're seeing this resurgence of these really shitty vintage values let's say Mm -hmm. you know we're seeing like a a a lot of or maybe it's more aware to us it's not like it ever went away but it's more aware um mainstream than it had been for a long time and that's thankfully i guess due to social media putting a spotlight on it but you know there's a lot of like racism and sexism and homophobia and all these terrible shitty things going on and so um I think that there's a there's a drive in the vintage community to very specifically tie a bow on the fact that like we love the stylistically or uh, artistically the design um, the heart that went into these items and simultaneously we understand that like I think it's drawing a line between like I'm not saying oh the good old days you know like the good old days were not great for a lot of fucking people so right. like i like that's the important line that i feel like i'm drawing with that vintage style and that vintage values i love the way these things look i think they're mm-hmm. gorgeous i think that in modern design whether it be clothing or household items or um toys or um advertising like there's such a cheapening in modern design and -hmm. there was just something so absolutely gorgeous about all of those different things in like the 30s through 70s in particular like just uh, like the advertising of like the 30s 40s 50s gorgeous you know um but like I'm not pining to I I'm not one of those people who would ever say oh I was born in the wrong era like shit's fucked up right now but I don't want to live in the (laughs) fifties. Like it was worse then. So yeah. So that's, that's definitely, you know, I think for me, um, so I I mentioned that, uh, I was a professional tattooer for 10 years and, um, I, I have this tendency to look at everything and anything man-made through the eyes of um, what was the person thinking, feeling when they designed it? Uh And so every object is a work of art. Some of them suck, but every single object is some Uh kind of work of art because somebody had to design it, whether they were thinking of it artistically or not. And, and I do feel as though there was a lot more heart or thought put into the designs of, you know, bygone eras than there are now. It's almost um, like a craftsmanship
0: know, you, thing, right? Like,
1: yeah, absolutely. not so
0: mass produced. Now there's mm-hmm. huge factories pumping this stuff out. And, you know, there were definitely factories back then, but there it's the quantities were smaller. The hands on it, there were probably fewer. I mean, I could be, you know, talking out of school here, but that's the impression that I get. The level of craftsmanship, like even like signage was more, it had more of a hand feel because it probably was printed by hand and, Illustrated by hand first, and there were a lot few. uh, Obviously, computers have a lot to do with it, but there was there was uh, uh, the volume was a lot less, and the um, the numbers of uh, I guess hands that it went through were actually it went through more hands as opposed to automation. Maybe that has something to do with it. I'm not Mm. sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, perhaps, yeah, that there was um, more human input maybe than there is now. Or also, too, I do feel as though, and I'm going to sound like such an old man saying this, but like things back then were built to last, uh-huh. whereas so much about everything made today is a combination of how can we make this as cheaply as possible to uh boost profit margins and simultaneously like planned obsolescence yeah you know and so like if this if everything is made for the the greatest amount of profit margin and simultaneously well if it only lasts six months then they gotta buy another one in seven months Mm -hmm. you know um so i i think that that if if that's the way most things are being manufactured then heart and soul is not being poured into it either I tend to have this like a bit of an uh animist um philosophy to things too like I definitely do uh almost it's so I, it's silly to say out loud but I, it's kind of almost like a toy story-esque like I like has you a know, life the, the, to
0: the spirit yeah
1: yes the the more that something is cared about the more that something is planned and loved that it has it It like almost like develops its own soul i have this hard time so um on um on these make it onto my instagram a lot i I tend to um uh collect a lot of like um vintage uh stuffed animals and squeak toys and stuff like that and i think that there's a an anthropomorphizing of you know things with a face in particular Mm -hmm. um like i have a i have a hard time if something is like particularly adorable Leaving it behind at the flea market, or you know, like there was, um, my husband and I went to the Elephant's Trunk flea market, um, which is a big flea market here in Connecticut, and um, we went on my birthday last month, and uh, we were walking around, and I got a really cool piece of Pyrex that's pretty rare, and I got it for a, a good price, and um, I got another piece of Pyrex, and and then I got this, it's like, it's a mohair tiger, and you. Uh, turn its tail counterclockwise and um uh it it's a music like a little music box yeah. and it's like full of stuff um like sawdust and i mean there were other toys there that you know i walked by but this was in a booth that was nothing but furniture and then this random little it's like this big and i i just he was five bucks and i was like yeah he's coming home and my husband just like shook his head and he's like yeah i kind of figured (laughs) like like i can't i can't leave the idiot tiger he's got to come with us so
0: what strikes me about your collection too is the condition of these things i have seen a lot of these kind of um i'm just gonna throw like a like a a blanket term like doll style toys Mm -hmm. or these vintage style dolls i've seen a lot of those before but every time i've seen them in thrift stores they're mangled they're matted they're in horrible condition you have been able to find these things in pretty good, if not pristine condition. How, what's your criteria? Like, <laughs> is it, is it just the, the, is it just kind of the community in Connecticut? There's a lot of collectors there maybe that kept that stuff or how do you, how, how have you tracked this stuff down? Cause I haven't seen stuff like this in this sort of condition.
1: Um. Uh, well, thank you firstly. um. But I, I think it's, probably a number of factors so you know first of all uh, I mean I'm um I'm 37 now I've been collecting my whole life and when I was younger uh I would kind of just like collect like everything that spoke to me would come home with me and um very toys yeah yeah toys like you know all the things that and, and so um I would have much more of the like you know Missing arms and I definitely do have some things still there, like missing arms, or you know, there's an eye gone or whatever. But like, mm-hmm. um, uh yeah, I have sort of tried to narrow my field, first of all, uh as a collector over the years. Cause, you know, to speak to the name of your podcast, I I am I I I'm not running out of space. I have run out of space. Yeah. Um, we uh we have a very small cottage. Um, and we're actually in the process of like trying to overhaul the house and, uh, to make it more livable because our, our plan was to, uh, to buy a house this year, but the housing market is an absolute nightmare. So, um, that has to be put off. And so, you know, we're trying to make my husband's a collector too, in a very different way. So we're trying to make the house work a little bit better. And actually I'm in the middle of um, uh, planning a uh, a flea market that's gonna be this coming Sunday. So um, I'm hoping to get rid of a bunch of stuff on Sunday. But yeah, so I I think, you know, just the fact that I've sort of narrowed my field of vision of what I collect. um, I'm more, um, uh, you know, picky, more choosy um, on the things that I buy. But then also too, yeah, I would say regionally, um, you know, new England is sort of known for, you know, old people. And so I, I guess, I don't know. That's my, my view of new England is there's a lot of older people here. Are the
0: consignment shops really good out there?
1: Yeah, they're pretty good. I mean, the thrift stores are pretty good. Um, estate sales are pretty good. Um, everything has dried up a little bit throughout the pandemic. Cause there's a lot more people out of uh-huh. work and decided to move to, you know, secondhand selling and stuff like that. So it's a little yeah. bit harder as a collector, but, um, yeah, I think that uh also too, I've found that in other parts of the uh country, uh things are either not as old just because those areas of the country were colonized later than okay. New England. Okay. Um, you know, New-, New England tends to have a lot of much older stuff. Yeah. And then um I think, you know, especially in like the South. I've heard a lot of people say that like a lot of things don't last as long just because of like the, the weather, like the humidity. Yes. So, um, you know, it's definitely, I think that that's probably part of it too. Yeah. I've just become pickier as I've gotten older, um, because I don't have any space left. So, yeah. uh, you know, I For even, yeah, even, even with Pyrex, I mean, I, it used to be any, any piece that was within my budget, which my budget has grown a little bit for Pyrex, just because the Pyrex market has, just like with everything throughout the pandemic, um, you know, Pyrex collecting, um, has really taken off. And so there are pieces that were well under a hundred dollars or within the hundred dollar range, um, for, uh, Pyrex pre-pandemic that are now like pushing, Hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars. Can, you, um, you,
0: can we enter that zone right now? Can I go yeah, into the Pyrex absolutely. zone? Absolutely. So <laughs> I had no idea that this culture existed, but it makes total sense because there are so many variations, there are so many sizes, there are so many color patterns, and just so much delight. Like just looking at some Pyrex dishes, you're probably thinking of the dishes that would come out or served in those. So, so like. How do how did how did that interest how did you find that interest like how I how did how did you even kind of have the sensibility of oh I'm gonna collect something that is um, usually served for practical reasons.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, it's funny too because in uh, in my house, I'm not the cook. My husband's the cook. Huh. Um, and so it's it makes it that much funnier that like, uh, you know, I I collect vintage kitchenware, and and there's a lot of it now, especially where the the prices have really jacked up. There's a lot of pieces that I have are that are pretty rare. That I'm like, you you can't cook with that. Don't don't cook with that. That, that stays on the shelf. Um, so uh, when I was a kid um my um mom had uh okay so uh, yeah uh-huh. that's in frame okay so this set right here uh-huh. uh this this set right here uh is called the primary set even though green's not a primary color but um yeah so this is called the primary set uh the this shape uh the the mixing bowl shapes without the handles those are the 400s that was like the the series like the uh-huh. serial number on the base of the, the um bowl And so it's a 404, 403, 402, and 401. And the blue 401s, my mom had four of those. Um, And so there's a big thing, you know, like uh, all of these different colored Pyrex patterns, they all came out pre-dishwashers. And so they're not dishwasher safe. And so um, in that like sort of time period in like the seventies, eighties, nineties, when people still had these Pyrex pieces, uh, but they then had a dishwasher. You know, these workhorse pieces in the kitchen would then get thrown in the dishwasher, and it's called, uh, to sh- for short, it's DWD. It's dishwasher damage uh-huh. um, in the in the Pyrex community. Right. And um, so, uh, my mom. These were these blue bowls. She had four, and they were um, her like cereal bowls. Uh-huh. And I mean, they are they're so they were so badly dishwasher damaged, and um, I just uh, like I have a very, um, like I, I am on no contact with my mom. She's a very toxic person. I don't have her in my life anymore, but, uh, like my concept, my idea of her eating cereal out of these bowls is from like a time period before I realized how toxic she was and that I didn't want her in my life. And so I was very young and, um, my parents had gotten divorced uh, when I was 10 and then, um, back in, uh, my, my father has now passed away. He passed away in 2017, but back in 2015, um, he had been diagnosed with dementia. And so I had to go down to Florida and move him into a nursing home. And Mm so it was very traumatic and, um, uh, going, um, through his house and, you know, getting everything out. And at that point I had, Pyrex was on my radar and I had a couple of pieces in the house about probably for a few years at that point, but I wasn't a hardcore collector yet. And um, I, I don't think I even really knew what they were. They were just kind of sitting, hanging out um, that had been handed down to me from other random people throughout the years. And then I found these blue bowls that had been my mom's cereal bowls, but they were in my dad's cabinets. And um, so clearing out my dad's apartment, found these bowls and they were so dishwasher damaged. I still have them. They're they're now workhorses in my kitchen. And then I just, something, even though I already had these pieces in my house, these four pieces, something about them made me like look into Pyrex. And then when I started looking online and saw these beautiful patterns and then started like every time I, so I have ADHD. And every time I that's probably one of many reasons why I'm a collector, is my ADHD, is that like I I find something interesting and then I fixate on it mm-hmm. and I have to learn everything there is yes. about it. Yes. And so um, so I pretty quickly started learning everything there was to know about it. And um back then in 2015, um it was still, I mean, it's, you can still find Pyrex in the thrift stores. You can still find it at the flea market at estate sales, but it is definitely much more competitive throughout the pandemic. It has become super popular to collect Pyrex. Um, because unfortunately I know I'm part of the problem, like people like me who have these Instagrams with all of these beautiful pieces of Pyrex. And then these people like this, the community has become full of these people who have, it seems just limited amount, uh, unlimited amounts of money. Yeah. And so they come in and they're buying these super rare pieces for whatever they're listed on eBay yes. regardless. Yes. And they're like artificially inflating the market. Yes. Um. And that's so it's just for- endemic
0: of collecting, like every collector. is yeah. Like that.
1: <laughs> that's that's fair. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it's funny because, you know, since I've had this Instagram for like close to two years now, I have seen these these um, Instagrams pop up where people are like, Oh, I just started collecting and they've got these, Crazy rare pieces I could never dream of owning, and they're and they're they've got like a whole room that's nothing but a Pyrex room. Wow! Um, I'm like, how did you? What do you, are you a billionaire? You know, are you like a trust fund? Like, what, what's going on? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, um, and by I, the way,
0: by the way, um, you can kind of weed those sor- sort of collectors out when you get to talking with them, like just hearing your story your connections to pyrex <laughs> it makes sense there is uh, there there's a, a a spirit there's a there's a vibe and an energy behind what you're doing Aww, when you thanks. When, when, but what my you're, you're you're quite welcome but my my point is that when you speak with some of these people that are just buying and they're not taking the time to hunt down. They're not necessarily taking the time to embed themselves in the community and understand why these pieces are important. You can kind of see how, I guess, the wind in the sails kind of vacuums out in terms of the um, the wow factor of their collection. Then you just see it as, oh well, this person just had a bunch of money, so they just bought like the dope pieces. Like there's no, there was no um, kind of um spirit of the hunt for them they just wanted yeah. to have it and they could afford it
1: yeah and that's and that's the thing that's what really hooked me with pyrex and i mean generally what kind of hooks me with like a lot of uh the things that i collect in general is the thrill of the hunt and yes. so you know i basically so i had like cleared out my dad's whole apartment and i had come back home to connecticut and the, you know there were key pieces that i had kept from my dad's apartment you know like um his favorite piece of art, you know, I've got up on my wall and, um, but these four, you know, beat to shit pieces of Pyrex mm-hmm. came home. And like I said, they're still in my cupboards. And I, I decided like I, there, there was something about it that I just decided I'm going to collect Pyrex. Yeah. And I, you know, I already, I had been going to flea markets and yard sales since I was a kid. And, you know, I loved like vintage stores and antique malls and stuff like that. And, um, I went to that weekend, I went to uh, a yard sale and I found, so the, oh, I don't have any in here. Um, so the mixing bowl, so these, like I said, these are the 400 set. And then there's uh, other mixing bowl sets that have like um, a handle on one side and like a poor spout on the other and huh. um those are 440 sets and those are called Cinderella bowls like uh that's the the general term for them or the Cinderella okay. bowls and um there's a, a pattern a, a very um highly sought after pattern called gooseberry and the uh the most popular gooseberries are pink um i don't have a lot of pink in my collection because they're highly sought after and i tend to cap myself on, you know, what I'm going to spend because I'm a normal human being and I don't have a trust fund for right. Pyrex. But um, so, um, you know, I I found, though, the very first time I went out specifically in my head, I'm looking for Pyrex. and I went to a yard sale and I found the um, the smallest bowl of a Cinderella set. It would be the 441 uh, of gooseberries, um in uh there's an alternative pattern rather than being pink and white it's black and white and then every other bowl is uh sort of like a butter yellow with black pattern on it and it's just such a cool and i think underrated alternative pattern because everybody you know goes apeshit about the pink which Uh the pink is great i love the pink but um i i was just immediately hooked right there and i it was a dollar and it was in amazing condition. And I was like, all right, well, here we go. I collect Pyrex now. Huh. And, um, and, and pretty quickly, like, I, it, I think one of the things that hooked me so much was that it was really something beautiful that really spoke to me, had a ton of variation and simultaneously, um, it was pretty easy to get your hands on, like yeah. pretty easy to find in the wild. Um, which that's what I find the most exciting, you know, in the, during, so I'm high risk. Um, I live with leukemia. And so at the beginning of the pandemic for, I mean, honestly, up until we had vaccines, like I was really nervous. Like I barely left the house. And that was one of the many things that was contributing to my anxiety for sure. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm generally speaking a pretty social person and a pretty outgoing person. So to go from being social and outgoing, you know, um, uh, full-time student, multiple part-time jobs. And then suddenly I'm just in my house all the time. Like that was a bummer. And so during that time period, I would, I did start doing some like eBay shopping for things just to like get that fixed a little bit, mm-hmm. but I still, you know, I would say pre-pandemic, my budget for a Pyrex piece would be like no more than $20. Like it had like an ideally like $10 or under, and I would, you know, be looking at stuff specifically at like Flea markets, thrift stores, estate sales. And then now, you know, since the the um, prices have gone up so much, uh, now my, my budget is more like, all right, between $20 and $50. And I'm being more discerning yeah. about the pieces that I find. Whereas before, I would just, you know, take in all of, like I was like a Pyrex orphanage. i just take in all of the pieces I found, no matter what. I'm like, all right, I already have that. I don't need that. You know, I'll, let, I'll leave that for somebody else. And I, I will take only the pieces that I find exciting.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what, just looking behind you, the shelf appeal is astonishing.
1: Oh, thank you. I it actually looks- just put, put this together recently because we're, like I said, we're redoing the house, so.
0: It looks great. And maybe there's something too, like with collecting Pyrex, that there's almost like a sense of um, sense of home. Not in the sense of the past, but in in the sense of that the feeling that you, that that you're somewhere safe with it. Like I, I immediately kind of feel comfortable around it.
1: Yeah, I think you know so many people have this. Um, I think there's a sense of community because I think it, it was being utilized a lot back when it was still very common for families to gather around a dinner table. Um, and maybe, you know, multiple generations were getting together more Mm -hmm. so than they are these days. And, um, you know, it was the kind of thing where like everybody's grandparents had Pyrex in the house, you know, everybody's mom or aunt or, you know, uh, uncle had Pyrex, had fire King. These were the items that they remember like casseroles coming out, uh, you know, to the kitchen table, um, for Thanksgiving and stuff like that. And so I think. It, it gives uh, a sense of yeah. I would absolutely agree with that. Like a, a a warm, fuzzy, nostalgic feeling for sure.
0: But I mean, also, I mean, I'm more talking about the idyllic sense. I didn't grow up mm-hmm. like that. Uh, much like yourself, my parents are very divorced. Um, re- <laughs> I my,
1: like that. Yeah. My relationship
0: <laughs> with my with my mom is is uh, complicated. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really have the the Pyrex experience. I see it more as like a something that like it's almost like a the 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 fantasy of uh, a stable childhood. Yeah, the, the yeah. Fantasy of of stabi- of a stable home. Um,
1: Absolutely. That's how
0: I see. I guess how if I'm gonna dig deeper, that's yeah. kind of how I see Pyrex because I didn't I... have. I didn't really have that stuff. We moved around a lot. Um, my parents. They're not. They weren't really collectors, um, and I feel like that's kind of how I got into collecting. Because I I'm a collector my whole life, and I feel that I've I've come to kind of kind of self diagnose in uh, myself in the sense that I think I I collect things because I'm attempting to establish roots. Mm-hmm. I want to mm-hmm. I want to burden myself with things that I have to take to you know what if I move. I I I subconsciously want to burden myself to, um with things so that I have I have a responsibility to take them somewhere. I'm firmly rooted um and I uh it's it's almost like uh something a, a permanence that I'm self-imposing on myself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of how I yeah. see
0: collecting, you know? No,
1: I think that's I think you really uh hit on something for sure there. I um so, yeah, so my when growing up, it was just me and my mom and my dad. And that was it. I had no extended family. Oh, I have a cat trying to get my attention. All right. I know. Go away. Um, so, um, yeah, I it was just me, my mom and my dad. And that was it. And we moved around a lot um, when my parents got divorced. When I was um, 10, we had lived in like nine different places all over Florida. I grew up in Florida. And, oh, where from? We're from. Um, so we moved around a lot. When I was really little, um, outside of Miami, we lived in old homestead for a little while. Uh-huh. Before um, before Andrew. Uh, yes, before Andrew. When um Andrew hit, I was in um Delray Beach.
0: Were you born in Florida?
1: Uh, no. So I was actually <laughs> it was TMI, but I was conceived in Florida and then born in Denver, Colorado.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: and then my parents moved back to Florida. I lived in, I lived in, uh, it was, so I was born in 1985, uh, at the height of satanic panic Yep, and, um, there was like this rumor going around that could not possibly be true but my um my mom i remember my mom telling me this when i was a kid the reason why they left colorado was supposedly that the child disappearance rate in colorado was one a day and i'm like well there'd be no children left like how, how on earth so um and then they uh so my parents um before i was born they um uh were dog breeders actually they bred show dogs and um then they stopped when they, um, when I was born, but uh, they had this um, uh, farm outside of Denver, Colorado. And, um, and supposedly when they moved into the farm, they like, there was a little shed on the property that had like little animal bones and satanic designs on the floor. Uh, and I'm like, I think that's probably bullshit or was some kids screwing around <laughs> Like I, either I, way, yeah. you know,
0: but it's funny that your parents moved you to Florida to evade Child kidnapping. When at the time, like the most famous child kidnapping in the nation, Adam Walsh happened in Mm -hmm. Florida. So, yeah, that's that's kind of that's funny.
1: It it is, you know, very much so because um, there there are a lot of different things. Not to you know deviate too far from you know collecting in general, but uh, like one of the many things that I have um, you know, an interest in not so much collecting wise, but more just like an interest in consuming information on is true crime. Uh And a lot of that definitely comes from, um, being exposed to a number of different crazy things when I was really young and you know, like Adam Walsh for sure, uh, was a big one. And then, um, you know, this isn't a true crime podcast, so I won't go too far into it. But, um, when I was little, we lived in, we lived in a lot of different, um, like condominium complexes Uh and, um, we lived in a condominium complex where we um, shared walls with this, this guy and his wife and their baby. And, uh, he and his baby would like hang out on the lawn. And, um, you know, uh, I, and I was probably six or seven and, um, I, and, you know, some of the other neighborhood kids would come around and like sit with him and the baby and stuff. And, uh, then one day we came home and our like shared parking lot was full of cops and it turned out that he turned himself in he had been killing sex workers when his like wife and child would go visit her parents and like wow. and, and my dad you know my dad was one of these people with like no filter he would just tell me it would be like oh yeah well turned out you know like yes. i'm like seven or whatever and i'm like what happened yeah. and he was dumping their bodies in our shared dumpster that we dumped our trash in like Wow, and he probably would have never gotten caught, you know, because what the lesser dead, you know, the, yeah. they, they were sex workers, and so, um, like he probably would have never gotten caught if he, he oh, he had a guilty conscience and he, you know, uh-huh. uh, turned himself in, and so yeah, I that's, yeah, they moved from Colorado yeah, to right. Southern Florida,
0: most dead, yeah, the swamp. <laughs> yeah, now, um, yeah. it makes perfect sense why you would collect last rites and death masks, like if guys all come full circle, I get it. There's yeah, just that exposure. Yeah, sure. When you're exposed to that sort of thing, it 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 leaves an imprint. Yeah, and it might not necessarily, you know, it's not uh, an imprint necessarily where it is. It becomes a odd obsession or like an aberration, but it's just something that you, when you're exposed to things, you you know them or you become well, acquainted yeah. with them, and you there's some, there's something that you, there's some connection that's made. So it makes sense yeah, that you collect things like that too.
1: Absolutely. I I think, you know, a lot of, um, at least for women, I feel like, like I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts and stuff like that. And I do feel like a lot of women who are like really hyper fixated on like true crime and stuff like that. It's, it's this wanting to know the limits of like, uh, uh, human, uh, portrayed evils and, or wanting to know as much as there is to know about a thing in order to avoid being the victim of that thing you know and yeah. so you know it's definitely having been exposed to that at such a young age and this was again a guy like i would sit down on the um the blanket that he would put out when play with his baby you know like yeah. i knew that guy i don't know his name which is messed up because it, it happened and it was you know that's just Being Florida, you try to find, unfortunately, you try to find serial killer who was killing sex workers in Southern Florida in the 90s, and there are way too many of them. And I was seven, and now my father's passed away, and I don't speak to my mom, and I don't know if they ever knew his name to begin with. And so, I mean, that's just kind of like lost to history, maybe, unless I really did a deep dive to like find out who that guy was. But
0: Honestly, as sad and as depressing as it seems, it's just another Florida man you
1: know yeah Yeah.
0: crazy loonies somehow (laughs) it it spawns it spawns this kind of bizarre Mm -hmm. behavior with people that goes too far and becomes savage and
1: yeah it's and and simultaneously interestingly so what you were saying earlier this actually hooks back uh, in an interesting way to you were saying earlier that like you know you didn't have the kind of um childhood that the it's like these like false memories that pyrex like brings up it's like these or these idyllic memories that aren't yours that like you know oh yeah that's that's comforting in a way that i didn't know and i think i feel that way too about a lot of these things and um so my parents you know got divorced when i was 10 um my mom moved uh my mom and i moved up to massachusetts to the town that she had grown up in and um oh there's a cat okay mm-hmm. um i got to move some shit so he doesn't knock anything over um I know logically, the logic side of my brain knows that Florida is fucking wild. Like you were just saying, but simultaneously there's like this false nostalgia for, I think a Florida that never really was, Mm -hmm. uh, in that I love that. Uh, I think it was a lot of like travel and a lot of like, um, you know, tourism things that that were put out about Florida, the idyllic, like the flamingos and the, like there are sure. flamingos in Florida, and, except in very, very small areas in like the Keys and shit yes. like, sure, there's mostly there aren't hibiscus flowers in Florida unless they were planted there and they're maintained like Florida is a gross mosquito filled swamp like <laughs> Florida is not a paradise and yet there's these, I mean, I've got, you know, it's out of frame, but, uh, so I, you know, I, I like the, the pendant, penance and stuff. Like, so I've got, um, you know, penance from, um, a lot of like travel places. And I've got like a Daytona beach one up there, um, that has like, you know, people, um, uh, hang gliding and like, it's all these really bright colors and there's a flamingo and some hibiscuses and Mm -hmm. it's this very idyllic view of florida of i i think a florida that doesn't really exist and never did right and i love that shit yes, like yes. i love oranges and like oh like I'm, I'm not huge on disney in general but like i like the orange bird like i think the orange huh. bird is so cute and that harkens back to that like that 1950 style of advertisement too yeah and so Souvenirs. that like, ties in as well yes florida
0: is uh it's best viewed through a souvenir
1: yes absolutely absolutely and
0: there's a dearth of them there's like it's just endless souvenirs it's almost a way to track the history of florida california is a little like that florida is very specific in the sense of souvenirs you can really track the history of 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 the state through them because they i mean now they're just cheap and like mass produced but like you know there there is definitely a vibe I, i can imagine your daytona pennant you know
1: yeah yeah yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and I've got another one, like a little St. Augustine one, although that one's a little more morbid. It's a, a little one, and there's like an alligator on it. And it says man eater underneath. <laughs> him. It just said St. Augustine, Florida. I'm like, yeah. I don't know if anybody ever got eaten by an alligator in St. Augustine. But, right.
0: You know. <laughs> They're like, that's the Civil War reenactment spot, right? That's St. Augustine. I heard actually St. Yeah, Augustine they've got has that, blown up, like um, in a good way.
1: Yeah, they've got like that... Um, uh, that Spanish fortress right there on the coast. Yeah, that's um, very north uh, eastern coast of Florida. Yeah.
0: If somebody that you just met asked you how to describe your collection what would what would you say? How would how do you how do you kind of encompass this? How, what's the vibe or what is kind of the aesthetic?
1: I would say probably, eclectic mid-century pop culture. Yeah. I think maybe, or, um, hmm, maybe that's not quite right. Cause I mean, I do have like a lot of, you know, the like toys and I mean, I've got, you know, like we were saying before, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't make it to the the Instagram grid. Like I've got, you know, like some Star Trek toys and, um, you know, um, I have a huge star Wars collection, but that's definitely not mid-century now we're talking seventies, eighties, but, um, yeah, it's uh it's so tough. Um I'm not sure that I could put a label on it. Yeah. You know, cuz I I have this this um idealistic I uh, you know this this idea in my head of what I would like our future house to be when we finally hopefully next year buy a house mm-hmm. of, you know, like the The very mid-century pyrex fire king kitchen and then like the you know like danish mid-century modern living room and i my ideal would be i would absolutely love to have a basement rec room where i could put all of my like 80s 70s 80s 90s like horror and sci-fi and you know like all of our uh, like i i've got i still have my atari from when i was a kid and my nes and my snes i've got like a pretty big video game again these are collections that like don't even make it onto the grid you don't stop um,
0: everything for you right you anything that? anything that you're interested in you dive right into don't you
1: yeah i mean i again i've been it's being having adhd it's like a, I, I go through like phases but then mm-hmm. i i tend to i don't It's not so much I get face because I don't want to get rid of any of that stuff and I still enjoy it. It's just that like that's not the thing that is like currently taking up space in the front of my brain. to prioritize, like yeah, 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 exactly. So, you know, I've got like I haven't, you know, I have a, a decent sized comic book collection. I haven't actively collected comics in um a few years now, but um, you know, I've got some CG seed stuff, I've got um a lot of, um, I really like dinosaurs. I, you know, for me, Jurassic Park came out when I was eight. So like Jurassic Park was like my version of star Wars. Like that was, you know, I went and saw it in the uh, the drive-in with my mom. So even pre Jurassic Park though, like I had tons of like, you know, dinosaurs all over the house. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so I have like a ton of like comic books related to dinosaurs too. And, um, yeah, so I would just love like the, like the media basement, you know, yes. where it's like the, the basement rec room where all of the mo- more modern pop culture could come into play. And so, and then like, it'd be cool to have the, uh, like the creepy you know, oddities den, you know, like, and that's where like the, the human skull and the last rights box and, you know, Uh all of the like weird, I'm vegetarian, but I really enjoy taxidermy. So like, Uh that's a weird, you know, (laughs) how do I, uh, you know, but, um, you know, all of the weird, creepy stuff. And then also too, again, like you brought up earlier, like I love the holidays too. I love um, Halloween is my favorite holiday and I've been getting into Christmas more and more lately because I've just been embracing the things that I like about Christmas. So sure. usually creepier Christmas, yeah. like the unsettling <laughs> Christmas, is good. Christmas. That's a good hashtag. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like I, I love the, like, so one big thing that I'm really into lately is like the, um, the stuffed rubber face Santas mm-hmm. from like the fifties that are, yes really fucking unsettling and yes. they usually i'm a i'm a huge sucker for like the 1940s 1950s like max fleischer style like pie cut eyes like uh-huh. anything with like a uh, like the yes. eyes looking off to the side uh it kills me i love it so much so like a lot of those um actually both halloween and uh christmas items have that kind of like look to them where they're just very creepy and uh yeah and that's that's my ideal is you know having the so a lot of the halloween stuff though stays up like all year round like i've got a couple of just off camera i've got a couple of um the like paper pulp jack o lanterns and uh-huh. there's a rubber face devil over there and do
0: you collect any um, of those um those like uh costumes that we we I'm a little older than you but I remember the costumes with like the rubber band and like it was just a smock do you collect any of those
1: <laughs> i have a couple those I go I for a lot see. of money
0: i've actually looked yeah. on ebay they they like if you can find a mint in box
1: Yeah, they go for yeah. A, they
0: go for a good chunk of change
1: yeah oh god why am i blanking on his name cooper there's a name. his last name's cooper yes Oh, what the fuck is this the worst name?
0: The rubber band would snap and
1: yeah and, and I always love too that it was like inexplicably instead of the smock being the character's outfit it right. would be then a picture of the character like <laughs> why would I be the character and then I'm wearing a picture of myself too that makes no sense yeah, yeah I love that I love that yeah, I, I don't have, um I don't really get into those because again, that's like, that's in that territory of they take up a lot of space and they're fragile. Yes. And I like, I know that that's just like a, a wormhole that I don't want to go down because of the lack of space.
0: And the boxes were paper. Like you can't store, mm-hmm. stack those, like they'll be crushed. Mm-hmm. And then it's the yes. point.
1: And, and the masks, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go grab, I got two masks. I don't have cool. full, but I've got two masks. I'll go grab really cool. quick. So this is a uh, leopard, awesome. but like, look, like it's so fragile. Like yep. the, the plastic is just like very, mm-hmm. you know, uh, mm-hmm. split all around the edges. I yep. mean, the, the, um, the rubber band is long since gone. Yep. And then I've got a uh, huckleberry hound. Great. You know, and again, yeah. The plastic is just like, they're just so fragile. Everything about them is fragile. I mean, the, the smock, you know, they get to the point where they're brittle yes. and the cardboard's brittle and the plastic r- literally
0: brittle. rotten. They rot those things. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, it's, it's the kind of thing where, um, how I, uh, so I'm sure, I mean, you, you interview all kinds of people, you know, collecting all kinds of things. And I, I remember, um, watching this, uh, uh documentary one time on on sneaker collectors and like these sneaker collectors were uh in you know I think they were in South America and so it was very uh humid and and their collections that are worth so much money are just literally rotting and like that's there's so much anxiety in that for me like I I do kind of keep that in mind too when I I have a hard time with ephemera. I love ephemera um, because again, I'm, I'm a big sucker for like stylistically design wise, those like vintage advertisements. Like I'm a big sucker for like a good, uh, like for instance, like Christmas light boxes. That's another thing that I have tried really hard to not get into. There are so many people on like Instagram and stuff that like have these massive collections of like the the string light boxes of Christmas uh, and like they've got these gorgeous, uh, graphics on them. And it's like, I, I can't start collecting cardboard boxes, <laughs> right. like old ass cardboard boxes. Yes. Um, I currently, I actually have a stack right now of, um, vintage board games that I'm like, I gotta get these out of my life. Like yes. I can't, I, I can't, I've got a, a, operation from 1965 and I'm like, that's so cool. I gotta get it out of here. Like I can't, I can no longer be the guardian of this item because it's going to kill me to watch it degrade over time.
0: There's a fine line where you're really hoarding. I mean, in a way, collecting is hoarding, and that's a wonderful thing. But then there's a fine line of not only hoarding, but I talk about this with other guests. You're just collecting inventory at a certain point.
1: Yes, yes, which is also why I have never, well, I can't say that. Um, I was gonna say, this is why I've, I've never gotten into reselling, but I actually, I did own a vintage store. I, I own and ran a ran, own and ran a vintage store, um, for very, very short period of time, like, like six months, uh, like 10 years ago. Cool. And, um, you know, and, but I still, you know, there's a few things that have been kicking around since then that it's like, well. I don't want to just donate it, you know, cause I could sell it for something and simultaneously I don't really want it and I don't have the space for it. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, these are the things I'm trying to purge myself of right now, but I have lots of friends on, you know, that I've made in the vintage Instagram community um, who are resellers and they, you know, they've got um, what they call um, death piles, which is that's the pile of stuff. Cause it is, it's so much fun. To go out and get inventory and find the fun things, but then processing it all and actually like putting it up on, you know, um, Etsy (laughs) or eBay or whatever. And I know, again, you know, my ADHD does not allow me to do something as tedious (laughs) as online selling. I just absolutely can. And that was actually like the impetus for me, like creating this flea market. At the brewery that I work at. I was like, I, I know I'll never sell on eBay. I'll never make myself do it. And you get so I also, worn out.
0: You yeah. get ground <laughs> to dust on eBay.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Just writing the uh, small nick in the upper yes, side. And yes. uh please message with more questions. Like I can't I can't. Yes. I fucking can't, man. Like yes. I just don't want to.
0: Yes. I have a I have a bag of vintage t-shirts um that I I want to get rid of, but like, I just don't want to deal with eBay. Like I'm just putting it off and off. And every time I look at it, I'm just like, I get (laughs) sad and I get anxiety every time I look at it.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah. My, uh, my husband is a collector in a very different way than me, which, you know, just adds to the whole thing. I mean, we have, we have a storage unit, you know, um, because he, uh, so he's uh, a professional in the the um, beer industry um awesome he was he's one of the founding brewers of the brewery that i i work at um nice. periodically and um uh you know he has like pre getting into the industry so more than 10 years ago like he was a beer collector i mean this man has like his bottles of beer from princess diana's wedding like wow just cool. has yeah yes except that we're doing nothing with it <laughs> right. like it's like in a storage unit you know and right. you know like he was giving me shit, um yesterday he was like you know there's um there's these pieces of pyrex on the kitchen counter that um weren't doing anything and they're kind of in the way and i was like tony there's pieces of pyrex all over the house so. and it looks so good right <laughs> it looks perfect
0: i'll bet it looks perfect where it is <laughs> i get it <laughs> What is what is it about some of these things? You touched on this earlier when we were talking about your your seasonal decorations. Why is it that some of these statuettes and some of these um, pieces from fifties and sixties are unintentionally sinister? Why do we look, why do we look at them now and they look creepy? Like like it's it, 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 there's definitely a Twin Peaks. And blue velvet quality.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. To
0: the stuff. But it, why, but, but, but how did they not see that when they were designing it is kind of what I'm pointing towards. Like, yes. Why, 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 like, it's almost like, was there a pocket of like a few years where they were completely oblivious to emotion? Cause like anytime outside of that pocket that those were made, people look at it and like, that's fucking creepy
1: yes what is it about
0: that stuff like i i've 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 been struggling for years (laughs) to try to kind of pinpoint that like it's so repressed and and creepy like how how did that get through
1: it's so funny because the the fact that it is creepy is exactly why i personally like it so much but i have definitely noticed uh you know like i was saying earlier like the the um smug pig vintage account that i have like i I try to only follow like um, other vintage accounts and or like artists that I like. And, um, uh, but I've, you know, I follow a lot of people in the, there's a huge vintage Instagram community. Mm -hmm. And I have definitely found that with um, a lot of these creepy pieces, people more in our age bracket, like Mm -hmm. Gen X and millennials Mm -hmm. see the creep factor yes and meanwhile and that's why we like it yes and meanwhile and i think that like a lot of that um is why you know, like some of the media that like we grew up with like for instance like ren and Stimpy, like oh. that that stylistically i think bob camp was really like honing in on that creep factor from that time period because there is sort of like a 1950s-esque Design style in like you know um, in Ren and Stimpy, sure, and, and 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 it's like ramped up intentionally, you yes. know, and and I and I feel like people our age get it and like it for that, and then I have seen so many people who are in the vintage Instagram community who are more in like their sixties or seventies, and they'll see these same these same exact items, these same faces, and they'll say say things like. Oh, isn't he darling? <laughs> and I'm like, what? No, he has done murders. Look right. in those eyes. Like, yes. no, he's scary. And I mean, he's scary and that's why I like him. But like, and then I've seen, I've definitely seen like, you know, older people in the community who like, when you point out how creepy something is, like, they're like, oh no, no. And it's like, no, it is. <laughs> like, how are you not seeing that? Yeah. Like, so yeah, I don't know what that is uh if those and i wonder too if the designers saw it uh or not you know i maybe yeah. the designers saw it and you know were intentionally like fucking with the public in some way
0: right.
1: uh you know um like the sistine chapel you know like all yeah. the fuck news yeah. in the sistine chapel like that kind of a thing yeah. like i i wonder if that was an intentional seeing what they could get away with sort of a thing uh uh-huh. um, but yeah, that is so accurate that so many things from very much so, like I would say, like the 40s, 50s, and 60s have just these really terrifying faces, uh, and that's sort of a running theme, uh, particularly with the holiday stuff. I mean, with Halloween, it makes sense. With but with the Christmas stuff, there's some really unsettling Christmas.
0: Yes, it's like material, a forced, like a forced joy, and by the <laughs> by the sense that it's like forced yeah. is what makes it oppressive and kind of just macabre and, and uh, I said sinister before that pretty much nails it but it's it's yeah. uh, twisted like it's not it's it's an illusion of joy which is so scary to me.
1: Yeah for sure yeah I wish uh, you know we, we recently went to our storage unit and so uh, all of the Christmas stuff finally made it to the storage unit I wish I wish uh, I had left a, a Santa or two here I'd love The Santas are my favorite and probably the creepiest. And some of them are really big. They're like um, like a two and a half foot tall stuffed Santa, but they've got rubber or um, composite faces Uh and they are just really horrific. And I absolutely love them. Um, I I actually um, (laughs) my uh, there's a running joke that I'm not allowed to go on eBay when I've been drinking. You know, like I said, like I generally speaking, try to find these things like in the wild, but this was I I think it was yeah it was summer of oh it might have been last summer I was online in like July like something like June or July and I had been drinking I'd been you know I was like two scotches deep and uh, just like scrolling through eBay and found a oh god so dangerous Dangerous Uh, apparently yeah apparently it's dangerous because I ended up buying a lot
0: Uh
1: of uh I think in total eleven creepy Santas. And there were like, there were some that were only like, uh, like, you know, six or like 10 inches oh. tall, but like the vast majority of them were like two feet tall. And so the box was like two and a half. It was like a two and a half foot cube, Same you know, seller? like when it came. Same just, seller. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a lot. It was one lot. Oh, cool. Yep. Yeah. One lot of Santas. And, um, And I mean, I got it, you know, like generally speaking, one of those guys in the Christmas season could sell for easily like a hundred dollars. Yeah. And I got 11 of them, including, I think it was like seven really big ones for, I think it was like 80 bucks or something like that, including shipping.
0: That's cool.
1: Yeah. I was psyched, but my husband was like. What did you bring into our house? Like, what is this? And then, like, did
0: you bring to our doorstep?
1: uh, Yeah, exactly. And like, I like set them all up so they were all in like a big pile on the end of the couch. And they were like, they were like, right. Like, I had to set them up. Like, the, the couch is like up against a wall, and so they were like on the arm of the couch, kind of like facing towards the couch. But it was like the side of the couch that my husband always sits on, and they would like fall onto him. And he was like, <laughs> You gotta get these fucking Santas out of Are here.
0: Are <laughs> you into gnomes? Isn't that a weird question? Um, You're gonna ask this. Uh, that sounded so weird coming out of my mouth. I've never said <laughs> that. Before. Are you in, you know what I'm talking about? Like the garden gnomes? Have you gotten into that area yet?
1: No, I haven't, which is interesting because I was very into David the gnome, the oh. cartoon. The, uh, yeah, okay, so David the gnome was a Canadian cartoon. Uh, it There's literally only, I think like one or maybe two seasons. Um, and it um, it ran on Nickelodeon like, fucking like midday or something, Uh um, in the very early nineties. And I have found that people like, so I was born in 85 and I I have found that people just slightly older than me and people just slightly younger than me have Uh no idea what David the gnome is, but people like within like a three year span, Uh like, you know, either a year younger than me, a year older than me. Like we all know what David the gnome is. And it was basically this like he looked exactly like a lawn gnome. He had like a little, um, uh, blue, like, uh, tunicate and like Uh a big red hat. And he was friends with a fox in the forest. And he had like a little dumpling of a wife and like, it was just, he looks like a gnome. yeah, 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 exactly. Yes. And it was just a very like heartwarming cartoon about like, this gnome helping woodland animals. Mm-hmm. And I remember it so distinctly from my childhood, loving that TV show. Yeah, And yeah, no, have not gotten into the gnomes. No.
0: <laughs> Probably better off.
1: Yeah, yeah, and one more thing. I don't need right. one more thing to start collecting.
0: <laughs> what um, are you currently looking for? Is there anything that you're on the hunt for right now?
1: Um, no. Uh... No, again, I try to, I mean, there's so many things that like I see and I really like and, you know, but I find that if, if, if there's something in particular that I really want, then I will end up talking myself into buying it. Usually I'll still find a deal in comparison to what like the typical rates are, but it will be more than what I would generally be willing to pay for an item. So I, I try to corral myself to, you know, okay, you're, you're only buying things that like speak to you, um, when you, uh, you know, bump into them in the wild. So like, for instance, um, uh, on my birthday, I'd mentioned before that my husband and I went to the elephant's trunk flea market and, um, I didn't have anything in particular in mind, but, um, just generally, you know, Pyrex, if there was a piece of Pyrex that I really, you know, liked. And so I saw, um, Uh, so this here, uh, so this would be, so this is a mixing bowl, uh, that would be in the same kind of line as these ones back here. So this is a a 400 series. So this is a 403. So, um, this is called the rainbow set. Um, and the, the rainbow set came in a few different colors. So there was funny enough, it didn't come in like a rainbow pattern, either like this, there was no rainbow like this or like the stripes in a real rainbow. It was just like, kind of like nicknamed rainbow. So yeah. Um, there, it came in, um, like a yellow, like a pale yellow, um, and it came in like a tan color and it came in like a blue kind of color. And so, um, the pink is the rarest. And for whatever reason, I think maybe because they were used more often the bigger bowls than the little bowls, little, uh, bigger bowls of any set tend to be harder to find because probably a lot of them got broken, um, or probably dishwasher damaged, you know, So, um, so f- for whatever reason, the rainbow sets didn't come in the full four, they stopped with the, the, uh, 403. So there's what? no four, there's no 404 in any of the rainbow sets. And so okay. this is the biggest of the pink ones. So the pink ones are the rarest, the hardest to find for rainbow. And, and the, the 403 is the hardest to find of the pink ones. And, and you
0: have one. That's, that's yeah, it right there. And
1: so, yeah, I, I, so we were walking around, uh, the elephant's trunk and I'd been really, you know, um, I had already seen a a bunch of Pyrex that I was in my price range. And I was like, no, no, I don't need that. It's all right, we're good. And then I saw this from like across the aisle and just like beelined right for it. And these are currently going like, you know like I was saying earlier, like the the Pyrex prices are just absolutely outrageous these days. And so if you were to go on eBay and look at the recently sold uh, for this piece, there it's not rare enough that, you know, I mean, I've I found like six that were recently sold between April and May,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Um, but they're all in the like two hundred fifty dollar price range uh-huh. for the one for the one bull. What, are those, um, what do
0: they retail like a brand new one? Are they aren't they two fifty anyway? Or, or Well, yeah,
1: yeah. In like in the in the fifties. Yeah, for sure. When they were what new ones released. What well, are so, ones? So the new ones, so they don't do the patterns anymore. Pyrex hasn't done patterns since um, the uh, like mid '80s, early to mid '80s. Uh-huh. And the, I'm not a big fan of the '80s patterns to begin with. But modern Pyrex is uh, different um, than uh, than the vintage Pyrex. It's it's definitely um, uh, you know back to what were you were um, what we were talking about earlier uh, about um, you know lower quality of production in modern items and uh, you know, that combination of trying to, uh, hit, um, uh, larger profit margins and simultaneously, you know, maybe a bit more planned obsolescence, um, uh, Old Pyrex had borosilicate in it. The the glass was uh, meant to be um, uh, meant to hold up against uh, temperature fluctuation. So you know it it was intentionally um, you know advertised as being able to go from like uh, the refrigerator to the oven and back again. You know kind of a thing uh, without that uh, temperature change um, causing the glass to break. And so the borosilicate was part of that um, that that ability to to be able to handle that. And also too uh, you know within some reason, um, be able to be beat up a little bit without breaking immediately. And so, you know, like I was saying, like, if I were to, you know, take this bowl and drop it on the ground, it would, uh, break into like a couple big shards, Got um, or a couple big chunks. Um, so, uh, in the, uh, I believe it was the mid '80s, right around the same time period that they they stopped making the colored Pyrex, the patterned Pyrex. Um, it was either in the the mid '80s or the early '90s that they they for profit margins they cut out the borosilicate, and so um, the glass. Now, a modern piece of Pyrex, you know, anywhere from the, the 90s forward, if you break a piece of modern Pyrex, it's going to shatter into like a million pieces, just like, you know, most glass you would uh-huh. expect to, to break. And, uh, you know, or like turn into that like glass dust, you know, that's yes. just so terrible to, to try to clean up and yes. make sure that your pets or whatever aren't, you know, walking through glass dust in a week or some shit. So, um, so yeah, so, uh, I mean, modern Pyrex, I mean, so these pieces all of the Pyrex patterns, um, were made for limited runs. You know, some of them were for like, uh, you know, uh, upwards of a decade or maybe maybe even like spanning a couple decades, but, uh, they, they all were limited runs. So, uh, you, like, you can't get like these kinds of Pyrex patterns are just not available these days. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get, you know, they, they have started, uh, the company has started recognizing, um, the, uh, the appeal of Pyrex. And so in, in recent years, they have started sort of like releasing, um, patterns that are nodding to their vintage patterns, but it's right. still on clear glass and they'll do like a, a little colored pattern. I, I know they recently released, um, like, a like a whole star Wars line with like, uh, you know, uh, like baby Yoda on it and stuff like that. And so, you know, they they've been doing some stuff like that for a little bit now, but it's not, this kind of stuff Yes. so yeah so so these pieces you know uh, are of a time and place that the you you can't get a modern version of these. I've got to remove this cat he's being so
0: I actually have two questions yeah first off, was there a collector culture of Pyrex? I don't mean women who got the whole set or homemakers let's not just say women homemakers or just people who got you know, chefs or whatever um, people who got the whole set but were there people who got the whole set back then and didn't use them? Like were there uh, collectors of Pyrex back then even?
1: I don't think so. Not in the way that the, you would see it today. Um, so so one of, the, um, one of the things that I really enjoy um, collecting in general is, is I, like the things that I like best tend to be the things that were in their heyday Marketed towards the working class people, mm-hmm. um, and it is sort of—I don't know if it's ironic or if it's you know unfortunate that that these items that were meant for the working class are now like you know um, commanding these exceptionally high prices, sure. you know, in the modern era. But um, you know, these these pieces were not like a lot of collectors who are interested in the same kind of things that I'm interested in, like, we don't care so much about like the fine China and stuff like that. Like those things don't interest us. The things that were being marketed towards like the, the upper class, like this was, these were like lower class, middle class, like these were the working class people that, that got these items. And like, um, you know, some of them, like the, the, um, the limited releases and the promo pieces, like they, they might've been a little bit more of a splurge, but they were still um, very accessible. Uh-huh. And um, uh, so I, I don't, I think that in general, when we see these pieces that aren't dishwasher damaged that are in pristine condition, I think either A, They weren't, they just weren't getting used for whatever reason and not in a, I need to keep this pristine because I'm collecting it sort of a way, but more of just like a, uh, well, I've got this bowl here. Why am I, I wouldn't use that bowl? But, you know, my great aunt Joan gifted it to me for my wedding. So I also don't feel good about getting rid of it. And so it just sits in a cabinet for, you know, 40 years until somebody like me comes along and, you know, picks it up at the estate sale kind of a thing. So I don't believe that there was a collector culture, or at least not a widespread collector culture. Uh, I think these were really pieces that were meant to be workhorses in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, And along the same lines. So I I don't as aggressively collect jadeite, but jadeite actually, and again, this is one of those unfortunate things that these were really meant for. So this is a a jadeite cup that I have. Uh So um, yeah, so jadeite, I really love jadeite. Um... (laughs) Martha Stewart, unfortunately made like blew up the Jadeite scene back in like, I think like 2000 or 2001, she did like a whole spread on okay. her Jadeite collection, oh. which is quite large. And, yeah. um, and she has since like started producing Jadeite with her name on it, like modern Jadeite, but like, yeah, Jadeite has become barely touchable, um, these days. Um, but, uh, these were originally, so, um, are you familiar at all with like milk glass? Um, so milk glass. So if you go into, uh, like basically any thrift store, you can find milk glass. It, it, it's like opaque white, frequently like vases. You like, you'll see like, um, uh, it's called hobnail. But when like a, a vase has like lots of little like circles on it, like little yes. bumps all yes. over yes. it yes. and it's white yes. and it's opaque white yes. and it's clearly from like the forties. That is milk glass. Oh, okay. So, um, these were literally jadeite was originally started, um, in the great depression specifically marketed towards the working class. And it was, it was meant to be a way to kind of like try to cheer people up a little bit. What they, what they were doing was um, they, they would uh, make uh, the batches of milk glass, but um, they would take um, uh, green glass bottles, like recycle green glass bottles, like, uh, like beer bottles and stuff oh. like that. And they would crush up the green glass and put it into the milk glass mixture. And so, like, it would reheat and melt, and then it would tint the milk glass to be this sort of, like, creamy, minty jadeite. And Mm -hmm. so, um, that's why, like, so you'll actually see it, it, the, the items that can be called jadeite have... Quite a bit of variation in the color and sometimes even within one piece this one doesn't really have it but in sometimes in one piece you'll even see like a little swirl of a slightly different color Uh um because of that inconsistency of they were just throwing green glass bottles in and that might have been a wide variety of green color you know that was getting added to and then you know different companies were doing it in different ways um but like this one is Fire King. Fire King was a, another really big. Um, like a lot of the mugs that I have behind me, these are mostly Fire King mugs back here. Um, is that the
0: manufacturer?
1: Yeah, Fire King. It was like Pyrex was one manufacturer. Fire King was another manufacturer. Got it. Like Glassbake was another manufacturer. Um, so, um, so yeah. So um, these were again. This was this was made to. You could actually pick these up. I believe at like the gas station or something like that. It was cool. like the kind of thing, the kind of thing where you you'd like piece together your set, yeah, over time, yeah. And and now they're like untouchable. How what yeah.
0: year does that one that you have that you're showing me? Uh, so
1: this or, this is probably era. like nineteen like nineteen forties. Yeah. 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 Do you use uh, that, or
0: is that just pure? Uh, no,
1: that's yeah. Liquid. I I mean, for me, I actually so I do use like these Fire King mugs. Okay? Mm-hmm. So for me, like, if I'm drinking a hot beverage, like, I prefer something with, like, a little, like, thicker wall. Yeah, me too. So, like, yeah. So, you know, you can kind of see the thickness uh-huh. on that wall versus, like, the thinness of, like, the I mean, these out. are
0: literal diner mugs, which is so oh, great. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And which there are there. So there's a whole line of jadeite, Fire King jadeite, um, that was, like, the diner wear line. And they're cool. so heavy. Yeah. And they're even more untouchable than like a lot of jadeite. Like they're, they are in such high demand, like the, the big heavy jadeite, um, plates, bowls, uh, mugs. Uh, yeah, that, that like dinerware is, is like very hard to come by.
0: Do you think there's some like hidden, uh, storage unit from some old, bygone, closed-down Sears Roebuck where there's just a mother load of dead stock stuff of this
1: somewhere. Okay. So do we have time for a story? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, these guys right here. I was hoping to an, get to these. This is an incredible story. So this is their box right uh-huh. here. Uh-huh. So these are Galaxy Spacemen. Um, so this was a company um, in, I have a cat like really trying to get my attention, buddy, you got to back off. Um, So um, this was a company in, um, outside of uh, Baltimore, Maryland. Um, (coughs) They, um, it's so mysterious. Nobody really knows exactly what happened. So basically, so I, I, these came up on my radar probably about five years ago. I started seeing them here and there and like, you know, random like Pinterest boards of vintage stuff or whatever. Like, you know, <clears throat> before I started my Instagram account I had a personal Instagram account and there were a number of um, vintage accounts I followed on that. Um, so like I'd see, you know, just random here and there and I could find them on eBay. And usually when I found them on eBay, it was like, so this set, this box, you could get the box. It holds 12 bottles. And I would see it, it would be like a hundred bucks. I was like, all right, well, one day I will snag one of those boxes. It was relatively frequently, I could find like one box on eBay and, and that was it. And um, I was like, well, one day, you know, when we have space, when we, when we buy a bigger house and I have more room to actually display something like that, um, I, I, I will buy a box. And the story behind these is that um, they were, this company was way ahead of their time the company was called space foods company and their idea was basically soda stream it was at home soda making Mm -hmm. so this was these these bottles which also too when i used to see them online i thought they were like maybe about two-thirds of the size of what they turned out to be like they're these are so huge this is like as big as my head like they're, they're just so big and um So these would be filled with various soda syrup. Gross. And then you would be making soda at home.
0: Those syrups must have been so gnarly. Yuck.
1: So here's the thing. (laughs) They never got made. Oh. So the company, so the the boxes are marked 1953, which, you know, the, the, um, the atomic age, the space age was like, oh, it was like right on the cusp. Like they were so ahead of their time in so many different ways like you know at home soda making like shit what, what's that that's only like 10 15 years old like we haven't right. been doing that that right. long right and and you know they were on the very cusp the very beginning like imagine you know if uh, i mean we went to the moon in 69 like imagine if this had come out in like 65 like the, the, they might yeah. have done immensely well yes um you know but this was 1953 and these i mean these bottles are so goddamn gorgeous so there's so there's uh, a, a whole Roy G biv of hold on a, yeah there there's the bottle oh right wow of all the different
0: flavors naturally yeah, of course yeah.
1: well so that's the yes. thing is that they're actually like every color it does not necessarily have their own individual flavor so the um so the dark blue was grape the light blue the dark red and the ever elusive black I do not have a black bottle but uh-huh. those were all raspberry uh-huh the yellow and the green were both, uh, lemon lime. The red was cherry and the orange was orange, Yeah, but they, so they've got like, you know, a bunch of different colors and then like fewer flavors than they have colors. And then like, so each one of the, the bottles. So this guy's the, the dark blue guy is the asteroid commander, but then there's going to be, you know, a different so the dark, or the light blue is the space navigator. Uh-huh. And, and they've got like different, every guy's got a different logo. And I mean, he's got his hand on his hip over here. Oh, and
0: it's molded. Wow. That's and he's cool. got it.
1: Oh yeah. And he's got, you know, a, a ray gun at his side, but then on this side, he's actually holding the ray gun. Cool. And he's got a jet pack on his back. Like the amount of ass. detail in these guys is absolutely yeah. incredible. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah so they they had this incredible idea way ahead of their time um they had this incredible packaging the the box is amazing like the the box art is so gorgeous and unique and they went under uh, from what everybody can tell because there's just no paper trail from what everybody can tell they went under before they ever made and put out any product into the world. Wow. And then inexplicably, their warehouse remained filled with these bottles. So this was 53, remained filled with these bottles until the warehouse was sold in I believe it was 77. Uh-huh. It was 75 or 77. And and the person who who um uh bought the warehouse didn't know these bottles were in there. And then I don't know what he was doing with the warehouse that then he didn't clear them out or move them in some way, but then they just continued to sit in the warehouse. And um, you know, every once in a while, a box would make it out into the world. And that's why I started seeing them a little bit here and there like about five years ago was when I started to like get them on my radar. And then it was actually in um, the very beginning of this year Um, so Joe retro is the, um, the Instagram page, um, Joe retro. She, um, is a, uh, um, vintage store, uh, down in the Baltimore, Maryland, um, area. Mm -hmm. And, um, and she, um, linked up with the, that gentleman who bought the warehouse in the seventies, his grandson, uh, now is the, uh, the owner of that warehouse and she has started like getting little waves of them and selling them out to the vintage community. And uh, somebody in the vintage community who I've become friends with, um, who has like a, a really good following um, on her um, page, she purchased a, uh, a set and, and posted it up. And I immediately was like, oh, shit, it's now or never, you know, uh, because it's one of those things like, you know, like I was saying with the the Pyrex, like for so long, it was so easy to collect Pyrex because you could just find it in the thrift stores all the time. Even rarer pieces, you could just come across random shit in good condition. And now it's become so much harder due to the pandemic and all of these, you know, new pandemic collectors who were sitting around their house with nothing to do and money to blow. And, you know, so. I pretty quickly was like, if I don't pull the trigger on one of these sets right now, I I will end up regretting it the way I wish that me 10 years ago was buying all the Pyrex on yes. eBay that I wasn't buying, you yes. know? Yes. Like, I have wanted these for like five years now, and I just kept pushing, you know, kicking that can down the road. Yes, Now's the time.
0: Well done. Bravo. They look yeah, great. Yeah, thank
1: you. Thank you. <laughs> Do you ever so- intend
0: to fill them? No way, right?
1: Oh god no 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 so they actually so that's the other thing too so the um so the uh the top uh uh-huh. actually has a slot in it so that after you used it you could then use the bottle as a bank amazing like i just and, and there you know the slot is still unopen i ended that's up killer. um yeah so uh ryan who um his uh his instagram is space foods company he's he's the owner of this warehouse now um and he found um the so there was actually like an ingredients sticker and like a like how to make (laughs) the syrup sticker that would go right here and Uh they never even got put on the bottles like he ended up finding relatively recently like within the past couple of months uh he found like a a number of like sacks of them and then uncut
0: sheets of stickers
1: no they're not uncut they are cut and they've got they're like glued but it's the kind of glue that you'd have to wet you know to apply oh yeah, yeah yeah and um and so yeah, I've I've seen some people now purchase those and actually apply them to their bottles. I'm like, oh, I, I would never do that. I, I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> I I bought, I bought a stack of stickers and they just kind of hang out with the spacemen. So yeah, yeah, so but that's so that's I don't know if there's a warehouse somewhere sitting full of jadeite.
0: There's gotta be but,
1: somewhere. Man, this is such an intriguing story to me. Yes. Like it is it like i've become obsessed with these because the it's just so mysterious and i mean like there are so many things collectible items from like you know the earlier like turn of the 20th century or beyond that that like well you know record keeping was shoddy or whatever this is 1953 what the fuck happened what happened to these people right like Why didn't it work? Like the only thing I can come up with is they must have been the worst business people ever because like, I mean, they had such a good idea. The packaging is incredible. The, the, like the box is incredible. The idea was so ahead of its time that they were like, again, right at the cusp of like sci-fi and the space age and the atomic age. And like they could have and should have been, we should have all grown up knowing what this was. Totally. And instead, we're all just finding out this year? Yeah. Like, what is that? That's, yeah. that's insane.
0: We're on so, an alternate timeline where that doesn't exist. The yes. other timeline where that exists, it's a utopia. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess we can't blame that on the uh, Hydron Collider, right? Because right. Uh, that, was made, that was made way post-53. So yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of things I feel like we can blame on the Hydron Collider, but not this, not this one.
0: <laughs> so the other question I had was in modern day, are there like when, uh, when Pyrex drops like a new collection, like new 20, for 2022, do they sell out immediately?
1: Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, yeah, I don't believe so. I mean, like, um, you know, like I, I mentioned earlier that they did like a, like a, um, well, I guess it would be a Disney collab now, but like a, like a star Wars, you know, um, pattern that they had where they were like, you know, little millennium falcons and Chewbacca's and C-3PO's like around the, the bowls. Um, but they also too, it's more like, they don't really do like the mixing bowls anymore. It's all really just kind of like the like storage like yes. the food storage type stuff right. now like the yeah. like the better quality tupperware basically where yeah. you've got like a glass bowl with the like rubbermaid type top yeah. um and so um i believe that um those were i don't know if it was i don't think it was only through costco but i know those were available at like costco Yeah. um like that set that star wars set and i mean That's it stuff probably.
0: Are you like above that uh, stuff?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, that's the funny thing is like I love Pyrex and I love Star Wars. I have like a whole bunch of Star Wars um, uh, toys and collectibles, um, but yeah, I don't know. I think I... I don't avoid all modern stuff. I do tend to, I try to, when possible, buy vintage over uh, modern for most it. things if I can. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like, so for instance, you know, with the Halloween stuff, like I, I really love Halloween stuff. And so I don't go to Target all year long. I don't give a shit, uh, generally speaking, about big box stores, you know? Um, and, uh, and sometimes Target has some really good Halloween stuff. So yes, then like in like August... I'll get like wind of what like the like target Halloween line looks like. And then mm-hmm. I'll start like stalking my local targets, trying to like, so this last Halloween, they had this incredible blow mold that was like this really cute skeleton. Um, I- I'm a sucker for blow molds. And this was like this really cute skeleton kind of doing like, he had like a Max Fleischer kind of vibe about yeah. it with like the pie cut eyes. And he had like a little bow tie and he was in front of this like, snot green like um uh uh headstone and and he was just really fantastic and then there was like another one that was this really cute sort of casper-esque again very max fleischer um uh ghost Mm -hmm. that um that you know had like a little bow tie and stuff too and so like i i got both of those guys um so yeah like i i will But again, it's like, if it's, if it's new and it has like a vintage flair and it speaks to me, then I'll pick up some new stuff. But generally speaking, you know, uh, also too, I'm just trying to be like a little more eco minded and it's more like, well, I'm, you know, buying these older things rather than feeding into like the perpetual machine of, you know, uh, end stage capitalism and, and also to like maybe keeping some of these older pieces where I'm not necessarily buying them off of eBay and I'm not paying top dollar. I'm you know going into thrift stores and going into estate sales and stuff. Um, like I'm maybe keeping these items like out of the um, landfills, you yes. know, like that's... So that's like that kind of multi-pronged attack of, well, maybe I'm being a little more eco-friendly by, by doing this with my life as well as collecting something that brings joy to me too.
0: Yeah, there's something to that, having ethics when it comes to what you're consuming, what you're collecting, what you're keeping around you. You spoke about um, animism earlier, that it also has an effect on you, like the mojo that you're that the things that you surround yourself with is a real tangible thing, um, whether that be like it sparks a mood or um, contributes to a lifestyle. Um, it really is. It really does have a, a, an energy to it, a spirit to it. So I totally get the fact that you don't just want to have. Mass-produced plastic stuff all over your all over the place, or contribute to the economy of that. You know, there's yeah. a lot of times I see things, and it's like, it's like fake vintage looking, and it's like offensive sometimes. I get offended by yeah, some of that yeah. stuff, you know. Um, but I also think sometimes that, you know, I, I, I'm always kind of thinking when I do see things in department stores or big box stores. I'm, I, I see things, and some, and I'm I'm always trying to kind of figure out what vintage is gonna be, like the cool vintage is gonna be 20 years from now. Like I'm I'm, I'm always thinking that way too. So that's yeah. kind of like a weird game, like a like a like a nonstop kind of um, gear that's always kind of turning in my head, like thinking yeah. of like what a t-shirt's gonna look like in 20 years, what um, you know, some type of picture or print that I can find now that how that's gonna age, that sort of stuff. Um even like you know like toys, like um so, you know, I'm into like uh, Japanese vinyl or even like just even some of like the, you know, I, I haven't really collected toys in a long time, but I'm always thinking like, oh, well, how is that going to look in 20 years? Is that going to look cool? Is that not going to look cool? So there's that component too with stuff that you might find a target now.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, and that this is actually something that I think about all the time is like, what will be, you know, I'm now in my late 30s. What will be the things that, yeah. You know, so I'm in my late thirties and things that were toys for me, uh, when I was a kid are now considered vintage. Like, you know, yes. um, gen one, my little ponies, for instance, yes. like gen one, my little ponies are in high demand and I still have all my gen one, my little ponies. I've got a, a big Rubbermaid container full of ponies. And because I was an only child and I was meticulous with my toys, all they're all in fantastic condition. Awesome. And um, and so I, a few years back, I, um, uh, was like, Oh shit. Like ponies are, you know, um, popular again. Yeah. And, and these are, these are, uh, worth something like I'll, I'll sell my ponies. I've been lugging this Rubbermaid container around like my whole adult life. Like I'll, I'll sell them and I got them out and like, you can, um, so with ones that like the mains aren't as nice on you, you actually can like shampoo and condition their hair to like uh-huh. get it better. And so like the, like people who are like really into my little ponies, they'll like condition the hair in particular, like try to like very gently like comb out the tangles and then they'll, um they'll use like a, like the, so you take the wet hair and you uh twist it around like a pencil or something and like let it dry like that. And uh-huh. you can get those like ringlets again. Oh, cool. hair. Yeah. And so like, I I went through this was like maybe five years ago now. And I I went through maybe, no, probably longer than that. And I, I went through that with like, I don't know, like four or five ponies. And then I was like, I can't get rid of my ponies. <laughs> like I started. Look saying, so good I like, now. Oh, look how good they look. Oh, and I was like like playing with like, you know, dealing their hair and shit. Like it re- like brought me back to that emotion of the object and of like five six year old me playing with this exact object not yes. one that looked like it but this one yes and i was like oh, i can't and so so yeah so they're still you know in the Rubbermaid container but i think even in the 90s toys were being made uh with um more care and higher quality material than they are even now and so i do i wonder this all the time like okay so you know if i'm in my late 30s then what will be the things from this era that will be the the collector vintage commodities you know when i'm in my 60s you know and i don't know man because like everything is made so cheaply i think if anything I mean, first of all, we'll probably be so surprised by it. It'll be shit that we never would have thought of because maybe we don't even know that it exists because we're not into the modern toys right now, you know? Yeah. And, but um, I, I think that it, for me, I feel like it would have to be like the designer vinyls and, you know, stuff yeah. like that. Like the things sure. that are specifically and intentionally being made in um, small batches. Yes. Whether Whether that's like an intentional just to keep it um you know so that there are only a few of them or if it's because it's one artist and they can only make so goddamn much you know yes. like yes so I, I feel like to me i feel like that's what's going to be collectible but who knows man it could be some crazy like brat stalls or shit I, I don't know who knows you know? i joke with
0: my wife that because I, I it's always it always ends up to be the thing that everybody throws away and there's not a, enough. There's not. A, they're not around anymore. Yeah. And I joke with my wife that it's going to be like the live, love, laugh signs. Like in 20 years, people are going to want those, or like the but first coffee t-shirts. You know what I mean? That's how. Like.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. So stock up now. The, the the Hobby Lobby. The yeah. The, the Hobby Lobby decor. Oh boy. Oh no. <laughs> Oh, that, that soulless bullshit (laughs) It makes me so angry. Can you imagine the,
0: (laughs) like the, the, the dead homemakers, like in their grave, if they could see you now, like she's getting all this Pyrex stuff that I used to like, just make cobblers in. What is she nuts? Yes.
1: Yes, Yes, absolutely. She paid what, yeah. So like this, this bowl, like I was saying, like you can get this bowl on eBay, you can find it, but it's like $250 and it's there. And like I said, I was looking at the recently sold and they were bids and there were like 19 bids and it was bid up to like $250. And there were like six of them. And I was lucky enough to, um, you know, I, I walked up to it. It had a $45, uh, like a piece of masking tape with like $45 written on it. And um, and the guy was like, ah, I'll do it for 40. And I was like, shut up and take my money. And uh, so, uh, you know, but even me, Five years ago would have been like, You paid forty dollars for a piece of Pyrex? Like you're you're buying that at yard sales for a dollar. Don't make forty dollars for one piece of Pyrex. But yeah, the, the prices are just uh you know, they're going up and, and there are so many people that are, are into these things that were just these were the workhorses in the the, the um the working man's kitchen.